Hello, everyone. I am Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits, and I want to thank you all for joining us here today on Plant Profits. And I tell you what, our guest today is, I think this is a very timely discussion because there's so much in the air that I would love for him to clear up for me uh, in discussions of legislation and cannabis, cannabis reform, and all kinds of things. And we got the right person for this, the right guy, Mr. Andrew Friedman, who is the executive director of the Coalition for Cannabis Policy Education and Regulation. Andrew, welcome to the show. Welcome to Plant Profits. And I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So you got to tell me, you know, you're the executive director, Coalition for Cannabis Policy Education and Regulation. What does that all mean? So, Break it down for us. Yeah, just to take you through a, a yeah. little bit of my background and, and how we came to start what we call CPAIR, so we don't have to say that word all the time um, or that yeah. long distance. Um, uh, I, was, uh, I was a lawyer in Governor Hickenlooper's cabinet in Colorado working on early childhood okay. issues when they legalized cannabis. And he so you were there at the beginning? I was there at the beginning, uh, okay. and in fact, he said, "You you need to be cannabis czar of this." So I, uh, I you became the czar of what? Of of cannabis. No, uh, I know, but of what? What was it? Right. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. It was it was it was hard to know whether that meant I had drawn the short straw or right. Or yeah, um, it, it was exciting for sure. But I was the youngest guy around, and they're like, "You're you're the guy to go do this." So. Okay. Overseeing the rollout, making sure that that you know all the regulatory systems work together, making sure that people got the right messages on driving while high, on uh, mm -hmm. preventing youth use, uh, making sure that we had some solution for banking in the interim of of the federal government not moving on this, um, right. liaison liaisoning with the federal government and other states, um, really to to make sure all the things that needed to row in the same direction were rowing in the same direction. I then was the only one with that knowledge. So I, I worked for 19 other governments, helping them implement new cannabis uh, laws. And that was everything from cities and counties uh, to Canada, um, uh, all on the um, the notion that I was just kind of like a technocratic nerd there for them. Um, okay. Now, this was all happening in 14 when you became the czar? Yeah, I, I mean, it was really from uh, 14 through 19. Um, okay. So I left being the czar after three years. Um, you did? Okay. And then, yep. And then and then started a little boutique consulting firm that... that yeah. Um, is, is the czar thing, um, you know, so you've consulted other uh, governmental uh, municipalities and states and countries, I guess, Canada. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so... Is the czar, is it a real thing? I mean, after you've done it, right? Is it a real yeah. thing? So czar, czar um, is a, a government shorthand in the United States. That means something that completely different than, say, a Russian czar. In, in the United <laughs> States, when you take, when, when a government has a really complicated issue that spans multiple agencies and, yeah. uh, and is all, they, the governor says, I want one person in charge. Even if it runs through your agency, Andrew Friedman, everything that has the word cannabis on it, go talk to Andrew Friedman. Um, right. And that's and that's what a czar is in in, in the United. Got it. So they they you're like home plate. They got to touch you. 
You don't you don't come and you don't come talk to the governor about something cannabis related without having checked with me first. Um, and uh, got it. Yep. Got it. OK. All right. And, and as you consulted these other places, did you have them set it up the same way? Um, I mean, we certainly suggested that a coordinating function was really important, given how complicated this was. And it, it kind of needed right. to raise to the level. And um, but, uh, you know, it's there's been a lot of different ways that this has taken shape. Um, uh, and most of the time, the kind of lead enforcement person um, who was head of the regulatory agency, that would be kind of considered the czar of 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 that cannabis world. Um, I think it was probably more important to have somebody in the governor's office that was was the czar, just because again, this is complicated and and hits a lot of different agencies. So, yeah, yeah. No, it 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 really does. So you you did that for five years. You touched. I mean, you were. Czar and then Czar coach. Yep, that's right. That's <laughs> that's a great right. Way to... So, so let's let's talk about what you're doing now, right? So, yep. as the executive director of CPAIR, okay, yep. as yep. the executive director of CPAIR, what is what does that mean, and how did that start? How did how did you get that going? So, while doing all this work for uh, the the states, um, I really came to the conclusion that the states were doing. It kind of as good of a job as they could, given mm -hmm. how crazy uh, this kind of federal state tension was. Um, yeah. And a lot of the conversation I was personally interested in having is cannabis legalization is no longer a are you for it or against it? It is here. It is the same as uh, as alcohol at this point. Right. That there is just yeah. um, it is crossed the tipping point that it, the genie's no longer going the bo bottle. The horse is no longer going back to the shed like there. There's no half of Americans now, it was a little less before, but half of Americans now have access to adult use cannabis. There's no world in which that is going to go away. And it was time for the federal government to acknowledge that reality and right. do some of its basic, basic functions, or at least allow states to do some of their basic work um, without fear of, of federal retribution. Um, and I decided it was worthwhile to put together the voices that would help make that happen. Um, uh, and so the coalition has some new voices to the table. Um, okay. Uh, some of them, uh, one of them is other highly regulated industries, which comes with its own baggage, but also. Yeah, I think we're going to talk about that today yeah. because it yeah. does have some, uh, some baggage. Sometimes it seems like there's conflicting uh, uh, arrows. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that yeah. they have lessons learned for sure and things that people don't want to see for sure. And, uh, but we so, mixed that with. So, but you knew that was going to be controversial. Yeah, absolutely. You, you knew that was going to show, but you felt there's a conviction you had that that was important. And and is that because, you know, and I'm, I'm making a statement and ask a question at the same time, yeah. I can do that. So uh, is that because um, the, in your mind, the, the insight that is brought to the organization was more valuable than some of the battles you knew you were going to have to engage? Yeah, I, I think even kind of more fundamental than that. Okay. These are all of these stakeholders, both the people who are upset about highly regulated industry beginning in and highly regulated and highly regulated industry are going to be yeah. involved in a, yeah. in a, yeah. in a national. And um, whether you're upset about it or not, like we all have to reach a consensus on where this goes. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, if we don't, if if you kind of want to just close your eyes and pretend like those groups don't exist, you're you're welcome to. You're just not going to end up with good policy. Uh, and uh, um, uh, and well, you're gonna, yeah, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, Andrew, I mean, these highly regulated people that you brought into the fold are, are folks that are, um, they're protecting their interests because they they want they, they want to be the answer to the exits of many cannabis-related businesses. I mean, they, they for sure have a financial interest in what's going on. Um, right. uh, and they know, too, that that um, they can't put forward a vision that doesn't include highly re- or small businesses succeeding, middle middle sized businesses succeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they're like, great, come to the table, small businesses, and and um, let's figure this out together. Um, what I learned in Colorado, one of the one of the I think most critical things we did was right after legalization passed, we started the Amendment sixty four task force which the literal, the, the, the ability to be on the Amendment 64 task force was if you think you have a stake in legalization, if you mm-hmm. think you have a public health concern, a public safety concern, if you want to be industry, if you are industry, um, yeah. uh, uh, if you simply uh, uh, worry about what it's going to do to your community, you have a spot on this council, you have a spot on this uh, task force. Um, let's hear all the voices. And then, you know, with the exception of we are not going to repeal Amendment 64 is this going to go through and then the, the spirit yeah. of Amendment 64 is going to go through. Let's figure out how to achieve as many visions as possible. Uh, and, and and that you brought that learning. Yep. To, and that, to this. That in essence is yeah. CBD. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which is and, and, you know, people on Amendment 64 task force uh, didn't like each other as well. You know, there were <laughs> there were uh, people very upset that it had passed and there were people, you know, very thought that every regulation was one regulation too many uh, because uh-huh. the plant should govern itself. And, you know, uh-huh. you get, that's just the, the nature of governing. It, it's that, natural. Yeah. You made a decision to, 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 to uh, lead and manage and direct natural chaos. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, everybody's got an interest or an, a misinterest in what happens and, um, it's 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 something, and I I want to dive into. So we we talked about one of the elements of of what you've created and 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 CPAIR. Um, but I want to talk about the other ones because I think you know you try your the strength comes from a lot of the diversity. Yep. Uh, that that comes in in what you've created, Andrew. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll dive into that. I'm Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits and Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. And my guest today is Mr. Andrew Friedman, Executive Director of CPAIR, Coalition for Cannabis Policy Education and Regulation. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back, everyone. I'm Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today is Mr. Andrew Friedman. He's the executive director of the Coalition of Cannabis Policy Education Regulation, known as CPAIR. So, Andrew, you brought this coalition of diverse interests uh, about the plant and how it should be uh, regulated, legislated, et cetera. And, and uh, uh, so we talked about one, you brought other highly controlled substances in, into the mix representation. And what are some of the other elements of the makeup of, of uh, the coalition? Yeah, really the, the core of 
where we get our content and best practices we call okay. our center of excellence um, okay that uh, makes sense yeah and and that group we actually have, have worked pretty hard to create a wall between that group and um the highly regulated industry so that they don't they feel like they can speak their mind and and get what they want out there um uh uh, and the director of that is Shanita Penny, uh, who I believe has been on your. I know, yeah, I know Shanita. Yeah, yeah she does great, great, great work. Um, former head of the Minority Cannabis Business Association, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and really there also to make sure that every voice that she knows. I mean, she's had the one of the longest histories in cannabis out there. That that yeah. um, we get uh, voices from people who have been arrested before from legalization or from can uh, cannabis people who are entrepreneurs in the space, um, mm -hmm. uh, small business voices. Uh, we have people like Dr. Gruber, who um, is uh, uh, at Harvard Medical School uh, and um, I think the leading voice on what this does to the brain, both good mm -hmm. and bad, mm -hmm. uh, and, and what we can know there. Uh, we have responsibility.org, who helps us think through driving under the influence. Um, okay. Uh, and uh, it has now grown to over a dozen members in our Center of Excellence, and they're really okay. every. There. Some of them represent state affiliate, uh, state associations, um, uh, state government associations, because state governments are like, we need to be the leading voice on this, and how do we, uh, how do we get out there? Um, mm -hmm. Some represent um, specific ethnic groups who want to make sure that they have the the right social equity tools to come through. Yeah, of course, yes, yeah. Uh, and um, and essentially, what we do to with that group is. Um, we say, what are the seven biggest issues right now? And let's put them in a queue. Let's write up what we think should be uh, the answers to those issues. And then let's push them out. Um, and mm -hmm. I think importantly, no one gets through. They're, they're the last voice in what gets pushed out. So uh, there is no there's no editorializing uh, if what they think um, is the next best practice. So, so that forces everyone to get somewhat on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is. It is the way of, of of trying to level out the playing field a little bit of there's these okay. corporations with clearly a lot of power. Right. Um, and you are bringing in your voice and, right. and letting your credibility to this. Um, and as part of that, the promise from us is you get to say what you want to say. Right. Um, and, and that's, you know, becomes the view of CPAIR. Right. No, I I got it. I got it. So so how do you mobilize this diverse group? Of, of 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 folks and point them in a direction that is going to benefit you know i think i think there's a lot i what's so interesting about cannabis is despite all the infighting and there's more infighting <laughs> in cannabis than any place i've i've ever you know i was part of education reform before this and i thought I, okay. I, was like, I was like i can't believe how much infighting there is in education reform and then i was like wait just hold on it gets much worse um yeah and that's cannabis Despite all of that, like, I, I believe if you put me in my room with the people who just trust me the most, we right. have 93% the same policy uh, of what this needs to look like on the federal level. Um, okay. Uh, we'd probably argue bit, bitterly over the last 7%, but a lot of it is really like, what are, what are the next steps for driving under the influence? What yeah. do we do about youth use pre prevention? What do we do about uh, substance abuse um, uh, and... Like, what have we learned so far that we can apply to these practices? Mm -hmm. um, and and it's almost boring. Like, there's some great lessons out there um, that just show, oh, okay, like, youth use of tobacco and alcohol is lower than it's ever been in recorded mm -hmm. history. Um, okay. So what have we learned from those things that can be applied uh, to cannabis? And what have we learned from cannabis from the 21 states that are going through adult use that need to be applied to, to federal cannabis? And mm -hmm. um, 
And so a lot of that is just circling that all up, putting a, like actually making it actionable for Congress mm -hmm. saying, here's, mm -hmm. here's how this comes to a, a group of suggestions. Um, and then the second half of it is really convincing this group how big this conversation needs to get. Um, okay. I think on the federal side, we're never going to get there unless this be becomes a, I would say nonpartisan, but but for lack of a better term, bipartisan issue. Yeah. Until is that are we making progress there? Because you know, I, I and I made this statement, and I'm and and I, I've said it out loud. Is that man? If there would be one of the parties, the Democrats or the Republicans, one of them just really put their arms around cannabis, right, and and just lead and say we're we're going to be the the identity. We're going to be the leaders for this. Number one, they they do a lot of good, and number two is they win a lot of elections. Yeah, you know, I think I think Democrats have done it like sixty five percent, right? Um, okay, and, and they get kind of there, and then uh -huh. and then it's like, well, this is number fifty on our list of priorities right now, and so you're going to have to wait your turn. And you know, you've seen Congress; they get through like the first four issues, and then. Right. Uh, um, uh, it's really hard to prioritize. Um, but also, like, at the end of the day, you need 60 votes to get through the Senate side. Um, and, yeah. Um, uh, I don't ever imagine a world where we have 60 Dems and that all 60 Dems are going to vote yes on on cannabis. Uh, it, it's right. just if that's what we're waiting for, we'll be waiting for a really long time. Uh, I think what it's going to take and we've seen this with other things is cannabis on the on, on the voter level, on the citizen level is already polling in the sky high uh range and 70 percent right something yeah, like 60, that. 60 60 percent depending on how you word the question somewhere between okay 70 percent um right. and depending on how you word the question even 60 percent support amongst republicans for okay i mean specifically amongst republicans if you say should states be allowed kind of determine their own destiny here they're like yeah of course like they should uh okay and, is that uh, the answer though Seriously, is that the answer? Is is allowing states? Well, I mean, there's some oh. federal things needs to, needs yeah. to take place about uh, crossing borders, you know, with money and product and all of those, the, those some foundational things. But at the end of the day, is it most of it's going to be in the hand of the state? Yeah, I mean, what we say is states need to lead, and the federal mm -hmm. government support. Um, uh, you know, the states have already kind of set up their own economies around this and, and their own licensing systems. And right. it's not really federal government, first of all, is terrible at picking licenses. If we ever end up in a place where it's like the federal government's job to say you should have a license and you shouldn't, what has already been a disaster on the state level will be a massive disaster on the federal level. Uh, and the federal government knows that they don't they, I don't think they have any interest in doing that kind of work. Um, uh, they just are going to permit at the at the federal level. The federal government's job is provide the science and data. People need to do this right. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, provide um, standards that are the, the floor that, mm -hmm. that can go above for what is a safe product. Um, mm -hmm. uh, make sure that testing is done correctly um, across so that, you know, cannabis in Florida is the same as cannabis in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. um, and when it says something on the label, that is actually what it is. Yeah. Label. Let's get there soon. Um, yeah. So and then things like there needs to be national standards for what it means to be driving while high. There needs to be um, uh, a um, moonshot work towards um, coming up with intoxication tests. Uh, and mm. uh, you, you, should there be an age 
legal age? I, so for non-medical use of it, I we support a 21 plus um, okay. uh, universal, um, uh-huh. you know, like we do believe there should be medical exemptions to that. And the way, uh, this working out, the way this works out right now is that means states get to decide that as well, um, mm-hmm. that, that they're qualifying conditions for under the age of 21. To, to kind of circle back to most of those answers are answers that I think Republicans like. Um, okay. Like, yeah, that is the role of the federal government. We would like to see those things. And we do think states should be determining the future. And and to bring it all the way back to like three questions ago for, from you on that is that's what's going to, the only thing that's going to cause either party to really grab this and, and hold it up and say, this is my thing, is right. when, it becomes a, when it becomes a race between the two parties. Um, uh, if the Dems start to say like, oh. Well, that's what you should be doing, right? Creating this fire. Literally, it's literally what I spend all my time. Absolutely. You got to light that fire, man. But hey, look, um, we're going to take a quick break, Andrew. And when we come back, we're going to dive in some of the specific things that you guys are fighting for. And I appreciate you here. This is Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits. And Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today is Mr. Andrew Friedman, Executive Director of the Coalition for Cannabis Policy Education and Regulation, CPAIR. We'll be right back. Plant profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Welcome back, everyone, to Plant Plant Profits. I'm Vern Davis. I am your host to Plant Profits. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today is Mr. Andrew Friedman, Executive Director of the Coalition of Cannabis Policy Education and Regulation, CPAIR. So, so Andrew, let's continue our discussion here. So, okay, so you are building that fire, and I'm I'm so glad to hear you are doing that because I totally agree. That is the strategy for for someone in your position is to create that that competition uh, to support. Uh, driving the support of cannabis uh, at the federal level. Uh, Where are we with some of the reforms? If you were to stack them, what are the priorities for the constituency that you serve? And and what are the priorities for the legislators? It's such, this is such a hard question because um, you essentially have to boil the ocean, right? Like, um, (laughs) Uh, um, because the priority is we need a science data-driven market that has, you know, all of the trappings of a normal consumer packaged good, which means mm-hmm. uh, interstate commerce, testing, um, uh, um, the, the, um, data and science from, uh, the federal government that says this is working, this is not working, this is mm-hmm. you know, potentially very, very harmful, um, we need we need to have essentially advanced in the matured system like 30 years down the road and you're not going to do that all at once right. um so what we essentially say is it's it's just time the most important thing is it's time to go from flip the switch from the federal government having this weird you have our forgiveness not our permission to do this mm-hmm. to okay, we are now actively engaged um mm-hmm. and, and that will require just get descheduling um uh and mm-hmm. Uh, and then getting actively engaged in um, uh, in this process. So um, 
that in, in short is it. I mean, we don't believe on day one when the federal government gets engaged, they should bring all the powers that they they put on other highly regulated products onto cannabis. That would be a disaster, right? Like this is going to have to, they're going to have to meet state markets where they're at mm-hmm. and over time start to say like, hey, here's the next best evolution that you guys can go through to make the product a little safer, uh, mm-hmm. to create less consumer uh, confusion, to create more national uniformity. Um, then here's the next step you can go through um, and and have an iterative process down the road. Mm. Yeah, I, I I look at it, and I, I agree with you. I mean, there's there's certain things that we want the federal government to do. The thing that just concerns me is that when the states have control of this, um, and then municipalities, um, that it really there's got to be a business of going in and and really teaching these these operations and these governmental groups and these policy wax, these folks to really build, uh, how do you build a successful business? How can you regulate tax and allow the consumer product to flourish? And that to me is a, because you see these new states open like Jersey, right? So states open up, they're on fire. Everybody's happy that all of a sudden, you know, California, Colorado, Washington happens to them, right? I mean, you get the the, the price of the product drops. So there's the operators are hard to stay in business. The taxation is, you know, is all over the place, you know, Someone, I mean, this thing could really be a a, a real uh, benefit to these uh, to 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 the citizens of these municipalities and states uh, by actually taking care of some of the financial burden on some of the support that these that the citizens need to have a better quality of of life in in many many areas. And I, I just see it floundering. Yeah, I mean, it has been, I think, a couple failed to launch scenarios where, you know, some yeah. a, a, a whole municipality can't figure out how to, or sometimes a state can't figure out how to compete with the illicit market while dealing with all the things it wants to accomplish at the same time. Um, right. Uh I think some people have tried to say, like, let's turn on the entire system on day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, well, the system can't support that on day one. Um, the you know people don't have enough capital and uh, know how and knowledge. And there's not enough maturity in the system to support all the things you want to do on day one. Um, and those have been hard lessons to come by and ones that, you know, states, I think, have found a lot of ways to repeat the same mistake uh, over and over again. Um, uh I'm not sure there's a great way around that. I think this is going to be bumpy for a long time. Um, okay. uh, um, uh, first of all, there is an ongoing way of everyone getting cannabis. Um, I think one of the mistakes people have in their head is that they're like launching a new industry. You're not. You're launching a competing industry. Um, yeah, the industry has is, is been thriving for over 2,000 years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so 
you're, you're now competing with that industry. Um, yeah. You have some advantages and you have massive disadvantages and like, make sure you know that your advantages are going to outweigh your disadvantages and, and that everything you want to accomplish, because I think there is a, a, a Christmas tree of things that, that these states want to mm-hmm. accomplish that you can actually do it all. Um, and I think that those are always the hard conversations saying like, you can't, you can't do that part. We have that conversation all the time on testing. People want okay. testing to be up and running on day one. And we're mm-hmm. like, that's that's a great way of ruining your own regulatory system. Uh, it took Colorado really three years to fully bring on testing. Uh, we could bring on parts at a time, yeah, um, but we didn't have the capacity to do it. We didn't have the, the testing labs, didn't have the knowledge to do it. Uh, and like really, quite frankly, a lot of the growers would have failed. Um, uh, and it would have taken all of the the um, cannabis off the off the shelves um, and uh, would have sunk the whole cannabis economy. Uh, and um, those are the kind of things where, you know, if you really get in and you tell them, like, you can do this, like you can say day one or it fails. Um, but if you do it, you're you're just going to fail your own system. Yeah. Um, you know, it's those lessons a thousand times over. Um, but you know, that, that knowledge base is growing. Um, it's hard because, you know, sometimes that takes, um, current industry to come in and educate and, and lobby up and, and mm-hmm. then, you know, and then people are upset because industry's in there and lobbying and, and some of it is lobbying for protectionist reasons and other of it is lobbying because people actually need to be educated on, mm-hmm. on so it's, it's complicated. It's messy. It's I, I think it's like democracy. It's the worst system except for all the other systems. So um, uh, it, it's the worst way to do this except for every other way of doing this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, thank you. Thank you for uh, for sharing with us today, Andrew. But before I let you go, I, I got to I mean, I can't pass this up. I mean, I, I ask all my guests to kind of make some predictions about cannabis and short term and long term predictions. And now I got the man uh, here with me and uh, who's who's on the forefront fighting these battles. And so when you step back, you put your sword down, man, what do you see as what's going to happen here? Do we have do we have anything that's going to happen during lame Doug? to what, what's what's going to what's going to happen? What do you see happening? Talk to what, us. What, what, we need you now, Andrew. I'm I'm so <laughs> nervous that the day that this goes up, like it, I'll already have been proven wrong, and it'll sound like the most. It'll sound. It, don't, like, don't, don't worry about it. It would be normal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so on safe, which I think there's a lot of people with, with bated breath, uh, hoping that's safe, and and probably like literally today or tomorrow we have to see language. Uh, today is Wednesday, November 30th. Either today or, or tomorrow we have to see language for there to be any chance that. It has the kind of socialization um, to to pass because yeah, they, there's only so many meetings left, right? The, I think we're down to like 14 days at this point, where oh, okay, uh, uh, both the Senate and then the House. Uh, my guess is whatever passes will need to repass the House. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, both those in, and for the timeline alone, I think it's yeah. you know, it's a hail mary throw, um, and and. Um, the good news is it's one Hail Mary throw, not like okay. Okay. Um, All right. And people catch Hail Mary passes. I'd much rather be the other team when it's a Hail Mary pass to end the day, but <laughs> you know, we've all seen the like clips. It happens. Um, uh, um, 
I just think it, it remains, there's, there's too many things that are not about cannabis um, that remain um, the larger issue here. Uh, are, okay. we gonna, are we gonna pass an actual budget or is it gonna be a continuing resolution? If it's a continuing resolution, I think that really limits- It kills uh, you. Yeah. You know, what we can actually pass this on. Um, right. Uh, um, you know, they could try to put it back on NDAA again, but it's already gone over to the Senate and the Senate says this this can't be a part of NDAA. Um, so somebody would have to bend there. Um, uh, and um, there's not great feelings between the houses, the, the, the Dems. I, I will say, I do believe that Schumer is committed to getting this passed. I think uh, um, uh, I think he's working hard. I just think he's also committed to getting 15 other things passed. And um, right. And so, yeah. Well, that's normal. I, that's that's his job. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. Um, Long term prospects. Um, I, you know, I think we are within the last two to three years of this being a real debate about legalization. And then it starts to be a debate about how best to implement. Um, Okay. Uh, you know, the polling uh, is, you know, right on on track with same sex marriage when it kind of flipped that switch of like everybody's like, ah, mm -hmm. you know, uh, maybe I have my own personal beliefs back home, but this is what I believe is right on the federal government side. I like what I tell everybody is like, really listen to voices outside your arena of people. Um, you know, I look at mm -hmm. the, the Twitter echo chamber on this and. It's, you know, MSO groups convincing MSO groups of what's going on. And it's advocacy groups convincing advocacy groups of what's going on. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's creating a lot of tunnel vision on on what this needs to be. I, listen to law enforcement groups. You know, mm -hmm. like, I think, I think you know, what's going to be the fastest thing to change uh, a senator from a Midwestern state is if a law enforcement person comes out and says, I think we should be regulating this. Um, mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, that's really where there became movement over safe banking was okay. law enforcement and bankers saying this is untenable. Um, mm -hmm. And those voices reach different audiences than the, the current cannabis voices reach. Interesting. Um, mm. and, and that's not that this is with all major mm -hmm. um, political change. Mm -hmm. uh, it is not to belittle the work that advocates and industry have done in this world. I think they've they have defied gravity with the work that they've done. Um, mm -hmm. But if you're going to want major social change in a major piece of uh, legislation, that can't be the only voices. It has to be mm -hmm. a, a there, there has to be a big tent. And so you really need to start listening to if you want to be able to predict the future, it's much more important to understand to, to be paying attention to what a law enforcement community is saying, what a public health official is saying, who are voices that matter to uh, the the state's rights Republican, mm -hmm. not voices that matter to the same Democrat who's already come out, you know, 30 times and said they support it. Um, yeah, uh, that's the best way to predict the future. Do you guys influence that at all? I mean, we certainly put forward the argument that this is uh, I think by influence, what we would say is, do you want the best ways to battle driving under the influence? Do you want the best ways to make sure that cannabis remains in legal states only? Do you want the best ways? Um, to be able to uh, police your communities in the way that they want to be policed, um, mm -hmm. then you have to back reform here. Uh, and um, and we go out and try to find voices that um, that are that see the sense in that. Um, um, so yeah, that is it's a, where we spend a significant amount of time. Got it, Andrew. That's going to have to be the last word. 
I'm Vern Davis. I am the host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Produce Global. Our guest today, Mr. Andrew Friedman, Executive Director of CPAIR, which is the Coalition of Cannabis Policy, Education, and Regulation. And I want to thank you all for, again, for joining us. And uh, you can uh, find uh, Plant Profits anywhere you get your podcast. We're everywhere. Uh, and I know that for a fact because I get it everywhere. CannabisRadio.com, who's our partner in this project, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Give us uh, top rating, five-star ratings when you go. iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Audible. Every, we're, we're there with Plant Profits, which is brought to you by Produce Global. And, and follow Produce Global through our social media footprint. And that's everywhere also, LinkedIn, Instagram. Facebook, Twitter, you can follow us and you can really dive into how we're building companies and how we're changing lives at ProtusGlobal.com. That is P-R-O-T-I-S Global.com. Until next time, cheers. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.